You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. In my lifetime, I expect to see three, four, perhaps even more women on the high court bench. Women not shaped from the same mold, but of different complexions. Welcome back, everybody. We are here again with the United States of Women. Hopefully everybody's staying safe in quarantine. It's been an adventure for us. Uh, Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So we recorded a few of the podcasts before quarantine hit. Yep. Just before. And so then we took a hiatus trying to figure out how to safely do this without... (laughs) <laughs> being in opposite rooms. Um, so we finally figured out a way to, to kind of make this work. So as you probably recall at this point, since you're listening to these all in order, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm Elizabeth and with me is Jessica. Hello. And we are still doing the wonderful women of Delaware. So Jessica. Mm-hmm. What do you know about Christmas seals? I'm going to say it's probably not a cute little baby seal wearing a Santa hat. That would be accurate. That okay. Would be accurate. All right. <laughs> I, I, I feel like that would be really cute, though. And I feel like Stephen Peppermint Junt should probably draw a seal with a Christmas hat. <laughs> I mean, I fully support this. Yes. And then I support submitting it to the American Red Cross and the American Lung Association who currently do the Christmas seals. <gasps> Ooh. So I got like charity. Mm-hmm. And I do believe you mentioned postal service. Yes. So is it like a stamp that, that comes out during correct. Christmas time? Okay. Yes. Yeah, so Christmas seals are those wonderful stamps that during Christmas time you can add to your package. So they mm-hmm. aren't the actual postage stamp, but they're an additional donation that you can make. And they come, different ones are designed every year. Various artists, celebrities, mm-hmm. all sorts of individuals and groups have designed them. Oh. And so we're going to be talking about Emily Bissell, who was the founder. I don't know. She introduced Christmas seals to the U.S. Okay, so to the yeah. U.S. So it might have been a thing before the U.S. Okay. Europeans. <laughs> That's what I get for, for giving you too many clues. Okay, so <laughs> Emily Perkins Bissell was born in 1861, May 31st, in Wilmington, Delaware. She was the first daughter, second child, of, and I love this name, Champion Articus Bissell, was the name of her father. Wow. That's a strong name to put on a boy and just be like, what is this? He's going to be a champion. Well, he was actually a banker and a real estate investor. So kind I mean, of. Champion of real estate. There you go. There you go. And Josephine Bissell was her mother. So the interesting thing is she was educated in schools in Wilmington and then a finishing school in New York City. Okay. However, she is one of our few women in this state that we've selected that is actually an anti-suffragette. How? What? I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, you know, because I, I felt the need in, in going through all of this, you know, it was a contentious issue. And, mm-hmm. you know, while I think history has shown that the suffragettes were on the right side, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean it was any less contentious, and that doesn't mean that... 
the people who were against it were overall useless to society. Mm -hmm. They had other things to contribute. But in any case, Emily Bissell's activism, because she was still an activist, despite being an anti-suffragette, activism started in her early 20s, Mm -hmm. in which she founded, so in 1883, she founded the West End Neighborhood House in Wilmington, Delaware, because she moved home after Mm -hmm. uh, finishing school. And the West End Neighborhood House focused on providing social services for immigrants in Wilmington, primarily Irish and German families. Okay. Getting them connected to the community, showing them, you know, the ropes, all of those normal social services. So she founded that house. She also founded the first public kindergarten of Delaware. Ooh. During that same time period. Okay. And was a huge advocate for child labor laws. So she's doing all this in her 20s, in her early 20s. So she was like, no, we need to fix these other things, too. Yeah, like. yeah. No, she, was, she was a huge activist, <laughs> and she did. it wasn't that she felt that women weren't important to society. Mm-hmm. She just felt that they needed to be sep- they could do. They were better doing good in their traditional roles and in fundraising and in charity work than in traditionally and i'm using air quotes for those of you yeah okay traditionally male roles okay okay so and i do i as much as i disagree with her opinion i do appreciate the way in which she went about getting her message across Mm -hmm. so she wrote under the pen name priscilla leonard and i actually have an aunt priscilla so that's why i'm like (laughs) i love that name um but she wrote and so she wrote a satirical essay in 1896, titled The Mistaken Vocation of Shakespeare's Heroines. Oh, wow. (laughs) So this was a, and it was widely published. Her purported speaker, her narrator in this essay, Mm -hmm. launches into an attack. Um, She bases, the narrator attacks all of Shakespeare's female characters that are put in unsuitable situations. So she. So, oh, uh, so like the one, what was it, Twelfth Night, where she pretended to be a man or something after? Yeah, kind of. So she goes on <laughs> to decide that, like, Hamlet shouldn't have married Ophelia or should have, shouldn't have been focused on Ophelia because Ophelia wasn't an appropriate female. Instead, he would have been better served by Lady Macbeth being his wife. Or a character like Lady Macbeth, because I, what a strong man needs is a strong a strong woman. woman to turn his head the right way. Okay, correct. And then Macbeth would have been better served by somebody like Portia. Oh, okay, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's just all over the place. But I'm like, I mean, I give her props for finding a way to like get her message across in something so not attached to what she's discussing Mm -hmm. that it makes people think. Uh, So she basically, she then has the audience of her her narrative greet her attack on Shakespeare with delight and basically ending up shouting down with Shakespeare. I mean, it was, I gave it like a quick, because I found it online and I gave it like a quick read. Hmm. And it was like, I I can't. I just can't. But it was it was highly entertaining. So that was what she did in, in 1986. So you have to think about the fact that like the suffragette movement 
began in the late 1800s, and we didn't get the 19th Amendment till 1920. Mm-hmm. So she then testified before the U.S. Senate Committee on Women's Suffrage in 1900, arguing that women should that women's suffrage was unacceptable because, in her words, a woman. If a woman were, the vote is part of a man's work. Ballot box, cartridge box, jury box, sentry box all go together in, part, in his part of life. Mm-hmm. Women cannot step in and take the responsibilities and duties of voting without assuming his place very largely. So she was making, the part I found interesting was this sounds very much like the suffragette movement in the 1970s. The yeah. women's right movement in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. And those against the women's right movements, basically, if you want equal rights, then you also have to be drafted into the military and you have to be doing yeah. all these things and we don't want our daughters to die. Yeah, we can't expect to not do what all men also do yeah. if we're going to have our equal rights. So I just, I found that because with Mrs. America coming out soon it and all of the... Mm-hmm trailers for that it just makes me think of all of those how those same arguments just kind of get recycled over and over and over again (laughs) and then of course i you know dive down into rabbit holes and think about how we continue to use the same illogical arguments on all sorts of issues yeah but and it's also sort of that thinking anybody who poses it means that oh that means that i can't be feminine and be my housewife role or anything that i like so much and i'm comfortable in it's like no 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 that's not the point of equal rights (laughs) like no 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 the equal rights part is that you can you can still choose to be those things Mm -hmm. and nobody should judge you for that like exactly that's the true form of feminism is that a female can be whatever she wants to be even if it's that super traditional role as long as it's her choice like that's the point. <laughs> yeah. So the early 1900s, she she starts there. The late 1800s, early 1900s, she gets really caught up in this. But her main focus is still very much the charity work. She was a huge fundraiser for charity causes, and she worked in a lot of those areas. Mm-hmm. So while she's off testifying to Capitol Hill and all those good things, she is also at the same time founding the Delaware chapter of the American Red Cross because you know. Women can't do it all, but she's going to do it all anyway. Yeah, that's that's the one thing I've seen about these women we've already talked about. Is it just like, well, I'm going to do this one thing and I'm going to do these five other things at the exact same time. Yes. Yeah, so she founds the Delaware chapter of the American Red Cross. And then in 1907 is where we get the Christmas seals. So in 1907, Emily's cousin, Joseph Wales, sends her a letter. <laughs> Whales, seals, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So Joseph is the um, head, the chief of physicians at the Brandywine Sanatorium. So, okay. Which is a tuberculosis sanatorium. So in the early 1900s, as some of you may be familiar with, and there are all sorts of podcasts that deal with um, diseases. Mm -hmm. Uh, One I really like is This Podcast Will Kill You. so and they do a tuberculosis episode, but that does not seem like a podcast that somebody who is already paranoid about disease <laughs> can listen to. They're really great. They're really great ladies. Um, so they so in the early 1900s and in, in the 1800s, tuberculosis was a deadly disease. It would sweep through communities, and mm-hmm. while it was treatable, you had to be treated in a sanatorium, and there was no cure for it. 
and there was no vaccine for it. I want to say you were treated in a sanatorium because at the time they didn't quite know how it spread, right? Exactly. They weren't quite for sure how contagious it was, how it spread at all. So they just, they did quarantining. <laughs> exactly. They did forced quarantining, which, you know, if, if we're not all careful, we're going to have to reinstitute. But so by this time, we had established that TB could be treated. So, because okay. at first everybody, you know, it was almost like leprosy and you just got shoved into the corner and like, go die somewhere else. Don't infect us, go die somewhere else. So, TB has been discovered to be treatable mm-hmm. and there are all sorts of treatments and medications to help you get over it. But you have to be quarantined in these sanatoriums. Now, it was such a prevalent issue that the National Tuberculosis Association, because it did exist, couldn't properly fund all these sanatoriums. Mm -hmm. So most of them were on the verge of bankruptcy all the time. So this was the case with the Brandywine Sanatorium in 1907. And Joseph discovered that, remembered that his cousin Emily was a huge fundraiser. Like, that's what she did. She was really good at it. So he reached out to her in a letter and said, look, we need $300 That was it. They needed $300 to stay open for the year. And Emily goes, okay, I'm going to figure out how to do this. She just, she's like, well, they need my help. I'm going to figure out how to raise $300. Mm -hmm. So she starts to think back and she just, she remembered an article that she had seen Mm -hmm. in the newspaper of a Jacob Reese. Ooh. Jacob Reese is a Denmark scientist who created the fundraising idea of Christmas sills, which had been a huge success in Denmark and had gotten to the point where it was raising about $28,000 annually. Wow. Yeah. Which for the time period was huge. That's a lot of money. money. Yeah. And he encouraged everybody to start instituting it. And Emily thought back to it and she's like, well, that's perfect. We could do that in America. We send packages all the time. Huh. So she jumps on the phone with the, well, not on the phone, but she writes a letter to the American Red Cross, gets permission from them to use their symbol, and she designs the very first Christmas seal. Wow. And so she borrows money from friends to print 50,000 Christmas seals, okay? Because she figures that's what she needs to try and get close to that $300 mark because she decides to sell them for one cent, because people would think, oh, what's, what's a one pen? cent? What's like, even back cent? then, what's a yeah. penny? She determined that that way, even the poor could feel like they were contributing. Yeah. So she talks the USPS into do, to selling these. Mm-hmm. And she sells, she raises $25 in the first week. Okay. These are out. So uh, that's... That's a lot of pennies. That's 2,500 pennies. Yeah. Math. I wasn't I even going to try. I, like, I could do math. It's I just do a this. lot of pennies. It's $25 worth of pennies. There you go. <laughs> it's a lot of pennies. But then it starts to dip. And it starts to peter off. The excitement about it starts to dip. So Emily's like, okay, I'm not on pace to make my 300 I got to figure out how to up this game. So she takes a train from Wilmington down to Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she gets in touch with the North American, which is a newspaper. And she convinces them to run an article on the Christmas seal and to expand the fundraiser into Pennsylvania. I feel like you just sort of have to make it that, like, must-have 
thing on your Christmas right. packages. Like, it's just, is it really a Christmas package unless it has a Christmas seal on it? Like, no, no, it doesn't. Like, you're not being yeah. an etiquette package. Yeah. <laughs> Bingo. So, but what she did not ex- anticipate is that the person who saw that article was the then president, Theodore Roosevelt. <gasps> oh. So Teddy Roosevelt puts his, you know, puts his full endorsement on the fundraiser and Emily Bissell ends up raising $3,000. She nets $3,000 that first year. Wow. So because it was such a huge success, the American Red Cross picks it up and does it nationwide in 1908. Right? So, I mean, we're just talking like less than a year. It just becomes a nationwide fundraiser. Mm Mm-hmm. The American Red Cross then starts partnering with the National Tuberculosis Association because that's who the money's going to, and they (laughs) jointly run it until today. Now, the National Tuberculosis Association goes through changes over changeovers due to Emily Bissell, who ends up founding the new American Lung Association. Wow. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, we're talking like this woman's moving and grooving. Yeah. She's she is all over the. You board. get a charity. You, you get a charity. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, in 1942, Bissell is the first layperson to be the first layperson, not first woman, first layperson. So the first non-doctor to be awarded the Trudeau Medal by the National Tuberculosis Association. Wow. For all of her work fundraising. And in 1957, the Brandywine Sanatorium is renamed the Emily Bissell Hospital, which is still open today just outside of Wilmington, Delaware. Aww. That's nice. Right? The hospital. (laughs) So Bissell passes away on March 8th, 1948. She's currently buried in Wilmington, Delaware, her hometown Mm -hmm. for her entire life. And in 1980, the USPS created a commemorative 15-cent stamp with her image on it. Oh, that's nice. So, that is the story of Emily Bissell, the anti-suffragette who was still a feminist in her time. (laughs) Still, still feminist, just not quite totally feminist. Right? You gotta have those opposing views to make of you push forward too so exactly so i just i found her very interesting particularly after our last few who were you know very much suffragettes yeah suffragettes and very focused on that and we've got you know more suffragettes to come in later episodes this season but i just i thought it was really interesting to get an anti-suffragette who was still really well known for all of her other charity work and still left a legacy that is important today. Yes. So, but you know, Christmas seals are not the uh, ocean creatures dressed up as Santa. <sighs> Sorry, Jessica. That'd be so cute, though. <laughs> or, uh, or, however, <laughs> this is our official plea to the American Lung Association and the American Red Cross that this year's Christmas seal be a seal dressed as Santa Claus. Yes. Just say it has to exist. <laughs> Somebody had to have thought it up before. I mean, I didn't. It's not. I did not like look up what all of the Christmas seals looked like from 1907 through today. Like but. somebody's <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't have an idea for the Christmas seal art this year. And somebody just goes, Well, what if you made 
a Christmas seal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, it that is that is Emily Bissell of Wilmington, Delaware. All right, I'm gonna buy a Christmas seal this. Yes, everybody this Christmas. Should. Send all my packages. <laughs> Christmas seals on them. So I got most of this information. I, of course, found Emily Bissell through the Delaware uh, Hall of Women, Mm -hmm. uh, which has been a huge help in this. And I I hope every state adopts this because it's so awesome to be able to just go through a list and see all of the really amazing women from every state. So I... Then, of course, you know, start where I always start, a little bit of Wikipedia, because crowdsourcing is useful information. Mm-hmm. And then um, Emily Bissell's uh, encyclopedia entry, the Postal Museum, because USPS is a huge fan of Emily Bissell. Well, The American Lung Association has several pages on Emily Bissell and Christmas seals as does the American Red Cross. And then my big pieces were an exhibit by um, the University of Virginia and a report by the Lancet newspaper. They did a huge article on Emily Bissell, which had a lot of really awesome information. So those are the citations. Um, So if you want to learn more about Emily Bissell, she's She's actually pretty easy to look up. I'm really, I'm really impressed with Google on this one. She was really easy to look up. And you can gather more information about Emily Vessel. And then, of course, Christmas seals. Christmas seals. <laughs> All right. So, until next week. Jessica, where can people find you at? You can find me on Twitter as JM Bailey Writes. You can also find me on TikTok as the same. As far as I know, unless President Trump bans TikTok, so <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen yet. Yeah, well, and by the time this this airs, he may have already done it. Yeah, he may have. It. He's like, today that we are filming this is the day that he will possibly sign his executive order, executive order on it. So it may be banned later today, and then Congress and the Supreme Court may go, nah, <laughs> like in a week. Like, not going to happen. Not going to happen. And you can find me with the rest of Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media, Facebook page forward slash Geek Elite Media. Jessica and I also have mm-hmm. started a new podcast recently, Love of Pages, yep. which is our uh, virtual book club. Yep. And highly recommend everybody come join us with a cocktail and a good book. Mm-hmm. So you can find that as well um, as archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts at geekelitemedia.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on mm-hmm. your podcatcher so that more people can learn about all of these fantastic women that you never learned about in history class. Yep. And uh, we do also have a Patreon now, too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, don't forget the Patreon we just got. Giggly Media does have a Patreon now. It's super impressive. Super. And Jessica and I are working on additional content mm-hmm. from this podcast and from Love of Pages, all to be on that Patreon page. So there's plenty of extra content. That yep, you can extra get. that you won't be able to see anywhere else. So mm-hmm. give us money. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> but until next time, this is the United States of Women saying, always remember to geek, geek out. out. This concludes our broadcast. Beep.